and destruction are before the Lord, how much more than the hearts of the children of men? And so we start with a somber topic, that of hell, and it says that hell and destruction are before the Lord. The Lord understands. He knows about a place called hell. He knows about the destruction of souls. And I, I am so glad that I can tell you tonight that the God of this book called the Bible never rejoices over a soul that misses heaven. He is not a vindictive kind of God that is looking forward to people getting theirs. And anytime you hear that kind of spirit brought forth, you can mark it down. That person is not following what the Bible teaches. It's interesting to Jehovah's Witnesses, if you've ever had the uh, misfortune of studying or reading any of their material... Uh, this is one of the big things that they get a hold of. Is hell is a horrible place. It was invented by people who want to control other people. Uh, that's what they teach. And it's written in their books and all of this. And no, hell and destruction are before the Lord. He beholds. He knows what is going on. But then look at the other half of this verse as we are contrasting ideals here. It says, how much more than the hearts of the children of men? God is interested in what is going on in the hearts of individuals. I, again, just an attribute of God. Something about the God of the Bible. He, he does not uh, paint with a broad brush. He does not just group people together and say, all those people are bad and all these people are good, uh, ran into a guy, I think somebody else said they've run into him before, he says, I don't want anything from the white God. And I'm sitting here going, uh, what, what did you just say? And uh, the uh, simple truth is, he is going to miss heaven because he hates People who don't look exactly like he does. Isn't that a scary thought? You see, God is the one who's weighing the hearts. But when you allow your heart to go in a direction that is against the God of this Bible, you've got two things waiting for you. Hell and destruction. It's going to happen. And so... Let us start with that solemn thought and let us go to 23, Proverbs chapter 23, and we'll see this word used again uh, in a completely different, well, not actually not, there's much more uh, uh, here that is in similar, but chapter 23 in verse 14 of the book of Proverbs, and uh, why don't we just catch... Uh, the the um, context, this is one of those verses that has a few connections to it. Start in verse three, uh, 23, I mean verse 13, chapter 23. Withhold not correction from the child. If thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. My son, if thy heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. 
And so we have this little triplet here of verses talking about discipline. There, there is a reason why parents must discipline their children. An undisciplined soul. Hell and destruction are before the Lord. I mean, that's where it's going. And uh, uh, the way I've always liked to put it this way, my dad taught me the meaning of two words. No and now. Uh, I'll tell you what, if you know the meaning of those two words, you've got an education, don't you? Um, And... Here, here's what it says. If, if you beat him with the rod, and it's not, the Bible doesn't talk about child abuse, all right? Uh, in a positive light. It, it, uh, the Bible uh, is very, very harsh. It tells about those who do not provide for their own children, who don't take care of them the way that they should, are worse than an infidel and have denied the faith. Uh, God has a very low picture of people who abuse and hurt children. But let me tell you something. Uh, There were some times when uh, I I felt like I was abused, but I wasn't. Uh, I needed it. And here is what the Bible tells us. We are here to protect our children from hell and destruction. And it's going to take some effort, my friend. If you're here and you're a child, prepare to have effort expended upon your person. Amen? Uh, But there is a reason for that. There is a purpose in that. We do not want to raise, to lose the next generation. In fact, if you want to know why America is in such trouble today, it is because we have lost a generation. And when a lost generation raises a generation, how can they raise anything but a further lost generation? I mean, we are seeing the result of the pot-smoking, free-thinking hippies as they are raising children today. I mean, that's a terrifying thought. Uh, I heard that even Ron Kuby recently got married, uh, which is, he's a talk show host. He's a communist, God-hater. Everything that is decent, he despises in America. And, uh, but even he's bought into marriage uh, at this late date in his life. What, what kids need are parents. You know, uh, people often say, how, can, how could I possibly homeschool my children? Your, your children need parents a whole lot more then they need a diploma. Uh, There's just no way around this, and you can't improve on it. Uh, A child who is raised in a home with both parents taking care of him or her has things that a person who doesn't have that can't get. It's just, it's important. And so let's, let's pray to that end. Okay, let's go back to Proverbs chapter 15. And uh, we're going to start in verse 26. And we're going to deal with the idea of thoughts in the next several verses. It says, The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant words. 
How many of you have ever thought about something you didn't say? I mean, we all do. But here's what the, the proverb is trying to tell us. It says, the thoughts of the wicked, the things that the wicked are thinking about, and don't even say, God has judged them as an abomination to his person and his holiness. But when the pure person speaks, what's it say here? They are pleasant words. You know what? You have to have pleasant thoughts to get pleasant words. You have to have a pleasant heart to speak pleasant words. I mean, you can chase this thing out. What did Jesus say? He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, and the book of James says that the tongue is the one member of the body that nobody can control. And yet, Solomon here gives us some direction on this, that the very thoughts of the wicked, all the things that are going on inside, God holds them as an abomination, as the highest offense. But those that are pure, guess what? Their words are pleasant. And so if you catch yourself saying unpleasant things, uh, it's purity checkup time. That's, that's what this is telling us. It's a time to, to use that because our thoughts are important. They control what they say. Look down in uh, chapter 16, verse 3. Another one of those verses that we just uh, haven't gotten to yet, but uh, it says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. How many of you have had problems keeping your thoughts in mind? You, you just sometimes feel, especially in the winter doldrums, you just sit there and think about nothing. Uh, you just got, the Bible says, commit your works unto the Lord. If you are doing what you're doing unto the Lord, you're not going to slop through it haphazard. You're going to get it done. You're going to get it done right. You're going to think about what you are doing. Don't allow your thought process to be separate from your living. You know, there's people that want to, uh, I think the term that they invented was compartmentalize. Uh, I have this part of me over here that does this, and I have this part of me over here that's really good and does things right. Well, the Bible says, if you get your doing lined up and commit what you're doing to the Lord, He'll establish your thought process. Because you'll be thinking about what you're doing for the Lord. Amen? Uh, that's something to, to, that we just need to get a hold of and work on. And look at Proverbs 21.5. It, it's just like um, it takes it to the next level here. Proverbs 21.5 says, The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but everyone that is hasty only to want. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness. Now, it's saying that the diligent, that person who is active in what they do, commit thy works unto the Lord, the person who is putting forth uh, maximum effort, that's what the word diligent means, 
is thinking about plenteousness. Now, you know what the idea of plenteousness is? It means there's more than you can use. That's the idea. The thought of the diligence, of the diligence, tend only to plenteousness. But everyone that is hasty, only to want. The hasty soul is, what do I need to do to get myself out of this situation? The diligent is, how can I do what I need to do so that it provides? And, and I want to challenge you, there, there is a, uh, Solomon is hitting on something here that uh, was very important to those that founded this country. The idea of the diligent and his thoughts tending to plenteousness is the seed idea or the basis for what the founders of this country called the pursuit of happiness. See, it wasn't me doing what I want to do so I can be happy. It was me doing the best that I could so that the people in which I live, my community, can benefit. It's not the communistic idea of someone taking from me what I have and spend, giving it to others, but it was me producing in a way that is not only going to benefit me, it's going to benefit others. You know, this works in industry. When someone comes up with a uh, way of producing things or, or a new thing to produce and uh, people... Uh, buy this and they get a company and guess what they do? Better jobs, better wages. And who benefits? Everybody. Except the Obama administration, I'm sorry. Uh, they, they want to tax it out of existence because they want everything coming from the government. No, the bounty that has been a part of the freedom of this nation is because of individuals who aren't thinking of themselves first. But living in the me first generation, everybody is in want. Because if you're only trying to produce enough to get yourself out of the situation, you're only always going to come up short. And these, these are things that we need to develop in our thought life. If we're not thinking toward plenteousness, then, then the Bible tells us that our thought process isn't being classified as diligent. We're, our thoughts aren't the process of a diligent life. And if we want that diligent life, we've got to stop thinking about ourselves first. And what we want and what's going to be best for me. But what is going to provide? I'll tell you, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Why? Because you have something to give. It's that simple. Jesus wasn't saying it's more blessed to give than receive because you'll feel better about giving. That's not what he was talking about. He was talking about the simplest idea you see, they lived in a subsistence economy. He wasn't talking about taking necessarily taking food off of your table to give to someone else. He was talking about having enough excess that you could take care of the needs that are in your present and 
help others at the same time. That's plenteousness. That is the result of a diligent life. Well, let's go to Proverbs, back to Proverbs 16. And we're just picking up verses here, as I said. And the next theme that runs through uh, one, two, three, four, five, six verses is the word wicked. And no, this is not talking about the Broadway show. It's talking about those who disobey God. I guess that includes the Broadway show, doesn't it? Um, But verse 4 says, The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked, for the day of evil. It says, now the, the Calvinists, they love this verse. You see, God made the wicked. All for himself. Now, what does that tell you? That's not the understanding of this verse. The Lord made everything. And the wicked are going to be used in God's plan. Because God's plan concerns us all. You know what? Somebody had to betray Jesus. Was that not the most evil day in all of history? But we know by studying our Bible that Judas volunteered for that job. In his mind. No one was coercing him or making him do those things. And how many times does it say in the Bible that God used Wicked King Nebuchadnezzar and wicked King Sennacherib and all of these guys whose names that are hard to pronounce. As Israel, God's people, refused to obey God, he brought them in to judge his people. God will use everybody and everything. But if you want his blessings, you better be on the right side. Amen? And God, and that just tells us that God is in control and it's, Uh, You know, I think of the early Christians who lived in the Roman Empire and how wicked a day and how corrupt the government was and all of those things. And yet, what did it say? Obey them that had the rule over you. Submit yourself. Pay your taxes. Listen, we live in an evil day, but not anything like what the first century church put up with. It's time to do right instead of doing wrong and realizing God's in control of the wicked. Skip down to verse 27. Uh, this doesn't use the word wicked, but it has the uh, ungodly in there. It says, an ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there, there is as a burning fire. You ever met somebody that... All the time, they've just got some new tidbit of information that's bad. You know anybody like that? Well, here's what the Bible says. It says that that is the work of an ungodly man, and in his lips there is as a burning fire. You know what? If someone is talking bad things, digging up evil, always bringing you some new little bit of information about somebody else. Guess what they're doing to somebody else? 
digging up evil and giving bad information about you. That's what Solomon is saying here. And so, what is the best course of action? When they're telling you about somebody else, you get out of there before you hear it. Amen? Uh, that, that is, and, and just taking, somebody said, is it, is it right for me just to ignore a person and stay away from them? If they're doing ungodly things, it's the safest thing you can do. Because you're going to be a part of it. That burning fire, it says, is as a burning fire. How many of you have ever played with a match when you're a little kid? Burnt your fingers, didn't you? I mean, everybody does. You play with fire, you're going to get burned. Don't be there is what it's telling us. Let's go to 17.4, just a few verses down. A wicked doer giveth heed to false lips, and a liar giveth ear to a naughty tongue. Have you ever wanted to believe something you just knew wasn't true? Boy, nobody's putting their hand up on that. But that, what this verse is saying here is, the wicked doer giveth heed to false lips. If you listen to things that you know are wrong, it's going to help you do wrong. And the other half of it is, a liar giveth ear to a naughty tongue. Now, that word naughty in modern English has lost all of its meaning. Uh, well, I was a bad boy. You're a naughty child. You need to be better. That's not what the word naughty means. The word naughty means the depths of depravity. It, it is a harsh, strong word depicting evil. In a life. And this naughty tongue says is going to be listened to by the liars. So we we better these things are in here for a warning to us. Sometimes people are going to tell lies. Well, just wait a minute. When that naughty tongue starts wagging about you, guess who's listening? Liars are. You don't have to worry about your integrity because someone lies about you. What you have to do is keep doing right. Amen? That's not in the verse here is just telling us who is doing these things. Come to 18, chapter 18, verse 3. It says, when the wicked cometh, then cometh also contempt, and with ignominy reproach. You know, you, you can't let wicked people be in charge of anything, and they're going to start. Um, the word contempt means to hold in disdain, to look down upon, to criticize. To, you know, those are the works of a wicked person. And the Bible says that with this kind of thing is going to build reproach 
And we just need to stay away from that. But when they're coming, get ready. It's amazing. As people who the Bible would define as wicked get in places of leadership, what are they trying to do? They try to make people who look like the Bible contemptible. How could you be so, so narrow-minded as, as to only think those people who believe in Jesus are going to heaven? How could you be that way? That's contempt. Well, it's real easy to be that way. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But they make that ignoble. They make that evil. Calling good evil and evil good. And they bring reproach. And you know what? Many people who wear the name Jesus Christ, who are truly saved, you know what they do when the world starts doing that kind of stuff? Is they just kind of bow their head and shut their mouth and let them go on. Hey, when the wicked come, guess what? Those things which are good and which are righteous are going to be held in low esteem by the wicked. That does not give you and I an excuse to do the same. Amen? And so now we move to Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 26. It says here that a wise king scattereth the wicked and bringeth the wheel over them. How many of you have heard the phrase, divide and conquer? Uh, I got that from this verse. This verse says, the wise king scattereth the wicked. He spreads them apart and he brings the wheel over them. He, he uh, talking about... Basically, the chariot wheel the, uh, of uh, chasing down the, uh, the enemy in the field and destroying them, not allowing them to come and to take a stand together against the king. You know, there's, there's a lot of um, brazenness in numbers when people get two or three Together, three or four together, boy, I mean, you just can't stop them. When they're by themselves, you know what? You can get the job done. And the wicked are always looking for friends. It says the wise king spreads them out, deals with them one at a time. And then Proverbs 28 and verse 4 This is another one of those, I call it a meter verse. You can just put it up to the situation and watch the meter move in the direction that it's going to move in and then you're going to know what kind of person you're dealing with. Verse 4 says, They that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. I mean, you can just apply this verse to any situation. If somebody all of a sudden starts saying good things about a wicked person, guess what? The meter pegs at the other direction. They have forsaken the law. You know, we have in our Congress 
different members have tried to stand up and make statements of what is true and what is not here in the last little bit. And what do they do? They clobber them. Everybody hates them. Uh, Guess what? They that forsake the law praise the wicked. But such as keep the law contend with them. You know what? That word contention doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going out and fighting with them, though the idea is there. It just simply means I'm going to keep doing right no matter what. And guess what? They're going to take that as fighting against them. And that is just how we deal with the wicked. They that forsake the law praise the wicked. I mean, what would you think of somebody if they said something good about Adolf Hitler? If somebody said, John Gotti was my best friend, what would you think of them? I hope it wouldn't be much. I hope it would be nothing good. Because the Bible says, they that forsake the law praise the wicked. But if you're contending against those that praise the wicked, you're going to keep going on. Let's go to verse 17 of chapter 17. And uh, we got uh, two more topics and then pick up a few verses here. And uh, we will have finished chapters 1 through, 18, uh, 1 through 17 tonight. Proverbs 17, verse 17. And the term is brother. It says in 17, 17, A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Now, I met somebody one time and they said, yeah, see here, said a friend loves you all the time, but if you really want to get in a fight, get in a fight with your brother. That's not what the verse says. It's a continuation of the same deal. A friend loves at all times, but if you're ever really in a jam, that's when you call on your brother to get you out. That's what that verse is talking about. It's talking about that there's a connection between friends. But when you need to really rely on somebody, you'd better get somebody that's closer than a friend. Somebody that's got a relationship with you. Somebody that's got a reason to stand behind you. And the last verse we're going to look at on brother said, there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Who is that? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so let's go to 1819. It says here, um, A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. Tell you what, you get brothers that fight with each other and hate each other. I'll tell you what, there is little you can do in this life to solve the problem. It is deep. And the Bible says that we better, uh, that you, you just don't want to go there. You don't want to choose that kind of contention. You want to make sure that you don't allow your relationship to, to go that way and get down to the last verse of the chapter here. A man, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time explaining that. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. 
And we don't need to explain that one either. Amen? Because that's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, let's go back to Proverbs 17 and verse 19. It says here that he that he loveth transgression that loveth strife, and he that exalteth his gate seeketh destruction. You ever met anybody just loved to fight? You know what the Bible says? It says they also love to sin in other ways. Stay away from a man who loves to fight. It says, he that loveth transgression, he loveth transgression that loveth strife. If you like to fight, if you're one of those guys that fights at the drop of a hat and always carries one very loosely, hey, you better take a warning. The Bible says you love sin. You love transgressing God's law. That attitude and that life has no place for the person who is following the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're seeking to exalt yourself, guess what? You're going to find destruction. The world says you've got to toot your own horn. And when it comes to saxophones, I believe that. I'm not sharing my reads with anybody. That's sick. Amen. But the whole idea here is that we are not to promote ourselves. You know, every one of us has opportunities to promote ourselves. And if we choose that direction, it's going to lead to destruction. What we need to do is promote the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 26. Proverbs chapter 26 And starting in verse 17, we're going to read through verse 21. He that passeth by and meddleth with strife, belonging not to him, is like one that taketh a dog by the ears, as a madman who casteth firebrands, arrows, and death. So is the man that deceiveth his neighbor and saith, Am not I in sport? Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Now the idea of this passage here is strife, is, is argument. It said, he that passes by, you're just walking down the street and you find some two people fighting and you get involved in that. It says, that is just not wise. It says, it's like taking a dog by the ears. How many people know what happens if you just walk up behind a dog and grab its ears? I'll tell you what, one hand or the other is going in the mouth. And unless the dog is a really nice dog, you're going to wish you hadn't done that. The Bible says, as a madman. That, that's a crazy thing to do. Casting firebrands, arrows, and death. You know what it says? All you're going to do is bring destruction. It says, So is the man that deceiveth his neighbor, 
and saith, Am not I in sport? You know what that says? Oh, I was just kidding. I, I'm just playing with you a little bit. I'm just having a little game. I, you know, I'm just telling my story so that we can have a little fun. I wasn't serious about it. Oh yeah, if you believed him, he'd have been plenty serious about it. The Bible says that the man that does that all the time playing jokes and games and things is the same madman that messes with strife that doesn't belong to him. And then it says here, where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. How many of you need that explained? Uh, if, if you don't have that, I mean, the fire consumes the wood, but as coals are the burning coals. Now, how many of you have ever taken a big fire, not, you know, something with, and let it burn all night? And then you go back in the morning and you stir through and you've got those coals in there just as hot as it was at night when you went to bed. You see, that's what, that's why when you go to the grocery store and you want to have a cookout, you buy the, um, uh, what is it, charcoal bruquettes is what they call them. Basically what that is, is wood that has been burned and, and charcoaled, and you squirt your uh, lighter fluid on it, when that gets burning, that burns an awful lot hotter than just regular wood. If you let those coals in that fire work the way they're supposed to, they're going to get exceeding hot. That's what the blacksmith uses when he wants to heat the steel so that he can form it. It says, if you let those coals alone, they're going to get hot. That's as coals to burning coals... Wood to fire, it says, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. You meet somebody that's just argumentative, they just want to fight about things. By the way, he that loveth strife loveth transgression, doesn't it? So you let him alone, there's going to be problems. It's just going to happen. You cannot stop it. This thing called strife, wars have been started because they refused to put out the coals before they became burning coals. Hundreds of thousands of lives lost. I mean, you want to... I don't know that I recommend everybody that reads it, but... To read this, but you read the rise and fall of the Third Reich. That's the history of Adolf Hitler coming up through the ranks and becoming the Chancellor of Germany and then plunging it into the abyss. You know what? There were a multitude of opportunities for the German people to have shut that man down. He belonged in prison. In 1923, he committed murder in his first attempt to overthrow the government. If the German people had just enforced the law, he would have been executed and there would not have been the extermination camps of the Nazis. This is preventative medicine here. This Bible, the Bible tells us that if you let those coals go, 
How many of you have ever seen a couch burn? I mean, when we cleaned out my mom's house, she had some old furniture there, and and uh, we just had a little burn pile. You can do this in Pennsylvania, and just rolled that couch up on the. It wasn't even hardly a big fire. I mean, it was burning. Just rolled the couch up on the pile of fire there, and that couch went whoosh. And I mean, it was shooting flames 20 feet in the air. And I thought, what happens to people that fall asleep smoking on a couch? As coals are to burning coals. I have the video if you want to see it. It was melting my iPhone case 20 feet away. Uh, I could hardly hold the case. That's how hot the fire was. Don't ever play with furniture and fire uh, unless you are prepared uh, for what's going to happen. But it says that contentious man is going to kindle strife. It's going to happen. And so you'd better get out the hose early. Amen? Put out the coals. Get rid of the wood. Because there's going to be a fire if the contentious man is allowed to do his work. All right, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I just ask that you would help us as we are studying these verses in Proverbs to take warning to... To put these things in our mind as we read through these chapters. And Lord, that you would give us a greater understanding and application of these wise words. That we may keep ourselves from trouble. In your name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, if you'd like to slip out of your seat and pray, the altar is open.